Flawcast episode 133, Obvious Facts. There is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. Author Conan Doyle. The most obvious things are often right there, but you don't think about them because you've narrowed your vision. Stephen Levick. Flawcast. Get in the arena. Every wonderful soul of the Flawcast Nation that listens to us, our esteemed listeners that are sojourning on this trek of life with us, we want to welcome and thank you to, uh, that you're back again to listen to us ramble on. And, and as always, my trusty partner in crime, Mr. Carl Tuckerson. Good morning, ta- Carl. Good morning, Mr. William. Welcome to a celebratory podcast. We made it through seven days of life. And as we've said before, this podcast has become a party, a celebration, survival of the fittest, and here we are. Yes. Well, uh, you know, what's funny is because last episode we had talked about what had happened that week, which was the show trial of Alex Jones and the quote-unquote inflation reduction bill, then the rating of Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago home, and now this week... (laughs) <laughs> you know, we've had the normalization of IRS agents that the inflation reduction bill that they're going to be trained and weaponized against the citizenry of this country. Also, in addition to that, we have the wonderful government deciding to pay off student loan debts. So as I said to a, a, a college loan debt, so what, as I said to a friend of mine, you have people that willingly put themselves into financial bondage. So now the rest of us will be in, tied to that yoke. And then now, and this is something that we've long talked about, a lot of these mainstream news, Democratic, some Republican politicians are now kind of stepping back and the information is coming out about how these vaccines are killing people. They're uh, just injuring people. Uh, even read an article last night that in the UK that there's 140,000 people that are now entitled to some kind of a financial in, uh, payback or reimbursement, or uh, I forgot the name of the actual word, entitlement that they've suffered injuries or other, their families, members have suffered injuries from these vaccines, which is stuff that we've all talked about. So the news cycle is definitely increasing and picking up. You know, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, thank you for listening. Thank Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the uh, numbers that are holding steady, doing good. You guys, we just ask you to share. We're everywhere you can listen to podcasts under Flawedcast or Flawedcast CLE or Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker. Obviously, you found us somewhere and we are there. Please share that. Uh, I know we're on Rumble under Flawed Inc. We're on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Getter. We're on Gab. We're on Parlor under Flawed Inc. To my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual, celebrating the one-year anniversary of that. It is below. It takes you to my author page. If you haven't got my book yet, I'm asking you, please do that. Uh, please get a copy. And uh, please, if you've already gotten a copy, leave a five-star comment if you liked it, because that does help me with uh, getting on the Amazon review charts and, and people being able to see it and exposing others. But uh, what we want to do, what I want to do is to sow into people right now. And I believe that we're heading into times of economic hardship, if you <laughs> can't see that already. Um, if you want a copy, cash is a little tight right now. I want to sow into you. Send us an email at flawedinkcle 
at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to email you a PDF on the house. Also, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, topics, uh, things you'd like us to discuss, please send us an email there. Once again, it's flawedinccle at gmail.com. Be more than happy to respond to you, and then we will respond on our social medias. But we're coming to the point of the episode. Carl's second favorite time, the patriotic 22 seconds. Okay, everybody, let's take our right hand place it over our left heart repeat after us i, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all all right, everyone. So Carl is going to take the helms this week, uh, and I'm going to kind of follow him. We kind of, I think, maybe tag teamed. I had he had a, a big part in this, and then I added some things. So we're going to kind of go back and forth. But um, I'm going to give Carl the stage, as it will. So there you go. Shine on, little. Oh, thank little you. I appreciate the show lights. Right, You're welcome. The beaming overhead show lights. Yes. This podcast originated from discussions that you and I were having last week Mm -hmm. before the podcast, before the recording last week. And that was that um, I think, because I've been reflecting, and I think I may have figured some things out. And any time you can put some more puzzle pieces together and where we are now, it's always a positive. Yeah, do share because I... I need information. Yeah. Well, we were talking about some people that we know to be professing Christians and just seeming oblivious to where we are right now at this point in history as far as the linear Christian line and how it led from in the beginning God and then the creation of the heavens and the earth leading all the way down the line to the end of man, the end of time, and the beginning of eternal living. And where are we on that line, on that linear line? And there's discrepancies in thought. There's disagreements in thought. There's looks that you get that look at you like you're crazy. There's (laughs) words that are said to you that tell you you're crazy. And this is from Christian believers. Now, driving here today, I was praying, I was preparing. I have to say this before we get into what I know people are going to disagree with. The most important thing that I know to be true is that no matter how many Christians disagree about end time events and end time strategies by Satan, We must agree on the most important thing of all, and that is the plan of salvation. As long as Christians agree wholeheartedly that they are despicable and that they are conceived into sin and live life in sin until they become justified by faith through grace in Jesus Christ, if we can have that common thread, Mr. William, we can work everything else out. So as I've gotten older, I have embraced the different thought. I've embraced different opinions. And I can now exist in a room with 10 other Christians where all of them disagree with me on everything except the one thing that really matters, and that is the eternal gift of salvation. 
So we have that common thread. And, and I want to get that out there now because there are going to be Christians until they get dissatisfied with what we have to say. And then they don't listen to the podcast anymore. So today, I mean, I don't know how long they'll listen. I'm hoping all the way through. And then I'm hoping when they disagree that they don't hide, but they email you and they tell you why. Yeah, please do. I believe in discourse. Mm-hmm. I believe in communication. Absolutely. I have become comfortable with agreeing to disagree and then moving on and loving. I'm okay with that. So when we're talking back and forth, if any listener finds anything that they disagree with, that's okay. Just email, tell why. And I have absolutely no problem, if it's true, to change my stance. I'm not dictated or controlled by anything other than the pursuit of truth. Yeah, I think that's a well-stated uh, and plainly spoken truth. And flawedincle at gmail.com. Send it there or message us on our social media and we'll address it. Thank you. I believe I've come to the conclusion after prayer and thought that there are two groups of Christians that view end time events. Eschatological events. Thank you. And the first group would be my group, the older group. And I had mentioned I grew up in the 70s in the church. Well, just to clarify, you mean an older generation age-wise? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That is correct. Okay. Growing up in the 70s in the church, when talking about things like the rapture, The rapture, as far as that specific word, is not found in the Bible. Correct. In 2 Thessalonians, there is the word, the Greek word being the parousia. That is the catching away of the saints. Correct. So that is what I am making reference to for those that don't know when I say the rapture. I'm talking about the parousia or the catching away of the saints in a moment in the twinkling of an eye that we are removed and that we enter into our promise. So when viewing end times or the rapture itself, there are people that had a, and I am one of them, a mental picture of the Antichrist, of the tribulation, of the mark of the beast, and of the rapture. These are topics that men have spent 50 years of their theological journey studying, they would be considered prophetical experts. I am not. I am not. Um, Neither am I. But I don't want to get caught in the complexity. I want to be existing in the simplicity because complexity causes arguments and confusion. Simplicity generates camaraderie, and strength, and unity, and that's where I'm going. So I had this picture when we hear about the tribulation period where they would have the old-style Ancient of Days guillotine where you put your hands in and your head down and you're locked in, right? Because the Bible talks about denying the mark of the beast and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and then becoming beheaded. So I grew up in this period where... It was this thought that 
you were going to have public executions of the guillotine being brought out. And then in reference to taking the mark of the beast, which has reference to the number of man, 666, that you were going to get a tattoo on your forehead or a tattoo on your hand. Never even thought about a microchip. Just a tattoo, the mark of the beast. Well, if, if I may, I don't even know if that technology was available, at least publicly at that point. Yes, correct. But I'm just establishing how there was a school of thought that had shaped the mindset of what was going to be going on. We were going to have public beheadings and the guillotine. We were going to have tattoo parlors that were going to put the number 666 on your forehead. We were going to have these things taking place. And that was my idea of the tribulation after the rapture. So there's that school of thinking. And then I truly believe we've entered an era where there are modern-day Christians that haven't been taught or influenced by old people like me that were raised in the 70s and 80s with that teaching or that idea, ancient. Now we have a group that literally just has no clue. Like, not only do they not have a misconception, they have no conception. And I'm not being mean or... um. You're not being overly critical. You're just, I would say, you're being observant. Yes, I am. And so I would like to integrate what has transitioned from the 70s to where we are today and then honestly try and evaluate where we are now and project where things are going. Because I'm tired of people that are my brothers and sisters when I bring out warnings or when I see things that are the forerunner of the Antichrist system looking at me like we've been hearing this from the 70s. How long has you been hearing about this? Right. You're overreacting. You have no idea. And the truth of the matter is I can admit when I have no idea. And the truth is I don't have an idea about a lot of prophetical symbolism and meaning. I admit that. I have no problem admitting I am not a specialist. But I do believe there is this thing called perception and discernment. And I do believe in the simplest form, older people like me that have grown up in this and have been educated in this, see the difference between where we were and where we are. There is no denying it. So now we just have to figure out what it means. And doing that, I want to focus on just one thing because we could focus on 100, but we don't have the time. And we can't go that deep. I want to stay surface level. I want to talk about the number of the beast. Mm. Okay. Not the Iron Maiden song. No. Okay, gotcha. That would be something you should talk about because you are you know, the, the genius journalist with knowledge of music. Yeah, right. That is not Carl. Okay. We'll see. Maybe. I always thought and was taught the significance of that number 666 would be that you would see that number and that that number would be how you would know to not take that, to run from that. That if you are taking that, that you damned yourself to hell because you just accepted the mark of the beast. In reality, what I have found out 
in studying is that God gives meanings to names. For example, Abram was changed to Abraham, becoming the father of all nations. Jacob was changed to Israel. So illustrating that God recognizes names with meanings. Now, when it comes to numbers, he gives numbers symbols. For example, the number seven is God's number. It's the number of completion. Mm -hmm. It's the number of totalitism. It's the total coming together of perfection. That number seven is a number, but it has significance and it has symbolism to represent completeness. What is the closest number that you can get to seven before you get there? Six. Six. God allows six to be significant and symbolic of man's number, the number of incompletion, not completion. Now, it's easy to be deceived that you're at the number seven when you get close to the number seven, and you can get no closer without going over than the number six. And that is why I have come to believe that God has allowed this number to be our number, man's number, because Satan has no truth in him. He is the father of all lies, and that is his native tongue. Satan creates nothing. Satan is a deceiver. And what we're living right now, Mr. William, is the greatest deception period in history. And the reason is because we have now entered into an era of man's dominance, man's rule, man's system. Are you with me so far? Yeah, this is riveting. I'm trying to not go deep. No, no, no. For me, you're right on par. You're right on pace. I believe most of our listeners are. So please continue. Yes. Yes. So. So keeping the thought and the significance of the mark of the beast, we realize that allowing number six, which is right before number seven, to be our number is the open door Satan uses to deceive in trying to represent this time period as being the time period of completeness, of perfection, because we're so close to that number and we're so close to the second coming of Jesus that we which would be the 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 culmination of all things the completeness of his plan the completeness of his will so now the number 6 is ruling and reigning in an era that is so close to the number 7 that is so close to things being perfected and we are being deceived close but no cigar correct now in scripture When Jesus was talking on earth, when he walked, he would always illustrate the importance of what he was getting ready to say by doing this and introducing this. Verily, verily, I say to you, in other words, I'm not just saying this. Right. Listen up. Right. And then he says, verily, I say, well, verily let you know, hey, gather in even closer because this is extremely important. But when he double, double knocks it, when he 
double illustrates. He's giving meaning to the importance of the words. He's getting ready to speak. And he'll draw them in and he'll say, not only verily, but verily, verily, I say to you. That means drop everything. That means do not look to your left or right. Listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Right. It'd be like if modern and I would be like, hey. But he'd say, hey, hey. Yes. It's that he's trying to grab your, so the, verily is an uh, old English word yes. for the modern equivalent of, hey. So Correct. He's, he's doing what he needs to do to make sure he procures your attention because what he's about to say is of great importance. Yes. He double decks it. Yes. Meaning this is how much I feel you need to listen. What I've come to understand about the number of the beast is that he chooses this to not double deck it. He triple decks it. He gave the beast the number six, six, six. That doesn't mean that it is 666. That is three individual recognitions of one number, which is the number of man. I, I feel like we were misled. I feel like even the modern-day geniuses of prophecy have missed it. And now, I'm not elevating myself to that level because I know I'm not. But I do know that I rely on the Holy Spirit to talk to me and to show me things. And I do rely on the Holy Spirit to take that which was a mystery and simplify it to me. And when I was reading and studying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that the number of man is six. And God is giving the beast that number because he is triple decking his dissatisfaction. He is triple warning us of the way he disdains and hates man's system. You know what just came to me, and you're talking in numerology, uh, the number three is of a great importance yes. also in the scripture, because obviously there's the Trinity. And what I know, and we've discussed many times, is that the evil one, the devil, as much as he uses humanity, he also disdains humanity. And what I'm understanding, what I'm getting, if you speak this or not, but the number six, not only does it repeat it three times to the emphasis, the importance of it, but it's also almost like a mockery of the Trinity in regards to that number of three, which is also, as number seven, sacred uh, in the eyes of the Almighty. It is true. And I want to expand a little more about the number six, I want to expand about the mark of the beast, the Antichrist spirit, because the goal of the Antichrist is to mock God. You are 100% right. It's the desecration and the desolation of God and the system of God and the implementation of decomposing God and, God and the ideas of Christians and killing which is the effort that is being made, is to create a system by which there can be unity in all nations in the effort of setting up a system to desecrate God and God's system. And that is why when we talk about what is happening now, it is so important to understand that it isn't going to be. See, I also believe when computers came in finally in the like uh, 80s, 
early 80s we were becoming familiar with this big box and this computer and we were like understanding computer programs and whatever that then there was this shift of ancient thought of the tribulation and the mark of the beast to well the computer program must be 666 okay that it was somehow always that there had to be this 666 number and in reality it is God illustrating to us the severity of his disdain, disapproval, hatred for man's system. And what is what am I speaking of? I'm speaking of the political system, the militarial system that will come under the control of the Antichrist that the Bible says was given by the dragon or Satan authority to rise up in war and dominate, to kill Christians, to rule and reign, to do great acts, to do miracles, to speak words that will tickle ears, and God disdains that. And so I want people that are Christians that start looking at me sideways when I start to tell them I'm extremely concerned you don't recognize the seasons of the times that you're in, when you see what is happening, when you see the unification of global mandates and global motives, and you start to see the growth of corporations that are eliminating individual businesses and individual accesses to food and clothing and necessities. And you start to see every single thing shifting into this one huge conglomerate that has taken over in this time period and deceived people. And keep in mind that number six, as close as you can get to seven, which is completion and perfect. And right now, I just believe there's so much deception because I do believe that it is the rise of the empire of man. It is the rise of the beginning of the Antichrist himself through this system. And that was what I wanted to illustrate to you. You have things that I've read that tie directly into what I'm talking about, which again, I did not know you were going to pull and glean. I think it's beautiful how it's becoming woven together to illustrate what I am saying. We could go on and we could talk about much more, but I would rather drive one point home and have people understand it than to try and cover three points and they only get a little bit of everything. Yeah, I agree. You, As you're talking, what, what's coming to my mind, and I, I can't remember the address, but it's in the Old Testament, and it talks about a group of men, and they were called the sons of Ishkar. And there's only one sentence about these men, and it simply says, the sons of Ishkar were aware of the time and the season in which they lived. To me, that has always spoken prophetically of a great sense of discernment, not just spiritually, but physically of the, the natural world that we're in and their understanding through Holy Spirit of the supernatural world that we are encompassed by and surrounded by and the merging of the two. So when you're talking about these things, I'm not going to spend too much time because I'm going to put the links in the description below. If people want to read these articles, they, they're more than welcome to. And these are all articles that are within two to three weeks 
old. So what I'm saying to you is that this is new. This is current. As I said at the beginning of the episode, just within the last two weeks, there have been major political and spiritual things that have happened. And I believe that as we are approaching the eminent return of Christ. And I don't want to talk in specificities regarding when that we enter the tribulation. Uh, Carl and I were talking about a gentleman that he and I listened to his name, Steve Quayle. And some of the things that he talked about and something I shared with Carl this week said, when these things happen, you know, the tribulation has started, which is jarring to a lot of people as it is to me. It's like, Oh boy, here we are. So I'm just going to briefly hit these. If you're interested, deep diving, check out the links below. But once again, these are not what we've concocted. These are not what we have said or thought. These are what is being postured and what is being spoken about in the news now. Uh, So the first article um, uh, a gentleman who I, he's an actor I find completely entertaining. I do listen to his podcast. It says, Move Over Freedom, actor Russell Brand slams Amazon's new payment method. Um, actor Russell Brand blasted Amazon over its new method of payment at Whole Foods stores. They have reportedly installed palm scanning payment systems where it just takes a wave of the hand in order to pay for groceries. Just wave your hand, Brand said. Bye-bye, freedom. Bye. And the reason I'm bringing that to you is because one thing that I think a lot of people misunderstand is the whole transhumanism movement to where it's literally the integration of technology into the physical body. What this is doing is it's a biometric system where Amazon has developed this. They own Whole Foods, which is a grocery chain, if you grocery store chain, if you're not familiar. And what they do is when you go to the kiosk, they have a machine where you put your hand in. It bio, biometrically scans every nuance and every part of your palm uh, because your palm is an identifier that's unique unto you, much like your fingerprints are. And it just examines it, it scans it, it it understands the curve, the line, the depth, the width of your palm, and it biometrically tracks you so that when you go to these stores, you literally wave your hand over this technology, it has access to all your financial records, and you pay. Um, now, why is this important? Why is this startling? Because you can make a, a reference, you know, to the, as you, we are the mark of the beast of 666, which is really interesting because in all barcodes, the number 666 is embedded in every single barcode. Um, like, you know, you see the, they scan the thing at the store, that number is integrated into that. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories. That's just a fact. But what I'm saying is that it's this integration of technology and humanity on a level that is, I believe, reprehensible to the Almighty because that is not what he's created. Now, one could say, Bill, you're overanalyzing because this is a conspiracy theory, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the next article, if food runs out, New York Times accused of normalizing cannibalism through New York Times piece dedicated to representation of cannibalism in the modern culture. Some readers were shocked to see a serious article suggesting that cannibalism has a time and a place. An article in the New York Times called caused an uproar among Twitterans, uh, I guess what you call Twitter users, uh, since many users suggested it 
looked like the newspaper was backing the idea of eating other people. The piece named A Taste for Cannibalism was published by Alex Regos Saturday in the New York, New York Times style section. While it's dedicated to the representation of cannibalism in the modern culture, some readers are shocked to see a serious article suggesting that cannibalism has a time and a place. And I'm actually going to link the uh, Atlant- I'm sorry, the New York Times article because if you read it, it's 100% accurate. It, 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 what, what this is a, a, a synopsis of that, and it, it the article makes cannibalism seem like a fine dining, exquisite experience that sophisticated socialites partake of. And it's an absolute abomination and it's an absolute manipulation of ingesting human flesh. And when you go back into the Old Testament, uh, especially when Joshua and Caleb were about to go into um, Canaan, and it talks about the giants and everything it saw. There, there are historical precedents that the, you know God told them to wipe them all out, man, wife, uh, man, woman, children, animal, whatever, because they were partaking historically in cannibalism. So you take that for what you will. Bill, you're a conspiracy theorist. Okay, moving on. So uh, this is this is an article in. Breitbart, but I actually I read their, the source article as well, and I'll put a link to that below. The Atlantic, um, which, for those who don't know, the Atlantic is a Luciferian mouthpiece for the globalist system, this Mark of the Beast system, as is the New York Times. The Atlantic compares Catholic rosary to assault weapons. The Atlantic has likened the rosary to an AR-15 assault weapon in a incendiary attack Sunday on conservative Catholics. Just as the AR-15 rifle has become a sacred object for Christian nationalists in general, the rosary has acquired a militaristic meaning for radical, traditional, or rad-trad Catholics, wrote Toronto-based Daniel Panderton, in an Atlanta article released the day after the Catholic Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary, which is August 15th. So you can get deeper into that reading the article, but here's here's the thing to take away specifically with that. You know, if you're an evangelical Christian, it's like just fodder to be attacked by. And, and, and to some degree, and Carl, I think you would probably agree, it, it's like commonplace, like you expect it. If you hold uh, traditional American values. If, if you are an evangelical Christian, you are the tar- the fodder for these mouthpieces. The interesting thing here, and, and our Catholic listeners should take note, because this isn't a slam other than, uh, against Catholicism. I'm not saying anything either way about it. Um, I would say the same about Catholicism as I would about Christianity. If you believe in Christ as your Savior, we're we're brothers. But the change of the tide is that now Catholicism was a sacred thing for so long, you know, and, and the Pope is part of these, this globalist system, and, and a lot of the previous popes have. Um, and, you know, you can read about the black masses in, in the Vatican and all, you know, the tombs of the Vatican, so on and so forth. But the reality of it is, is that now there's an attack on the institution of Catholicism within this country, within the world, that we've not seen before. And this is part of, I think, what you're talking about, Carl, is this this tonal shift, this blatant in-your-face, this is what is happening, this is what we are doing. You can, uh, you know, accept it, you can make it look, you know, like, cool, it's the sway, it's the fashion of the day, like eating eating a 
a human burger, you know, eating a, a, a cannibalistic hamburger or, you know, this or, you know, having your body biometrically scanned to become integrated with technology like that. Uh, I, I This is the path that we're treading. And I, I think it's startling. And I don't want to be an alarmist for an alarmist sake. And I certainly know you don't. But I think if we ignore these things and the conversation that I continually have is, well, you know, people have been talking about Christ's return in these days since the first church. And my contention to that would be, I've always heard it said that the last church is going to be like the first church. Uh, And when you see the purposeful targeting of Catholicism in a manner such as this, I mean, saying that the rosary is a militaristic symbol. That's a really bold proclamation. So I just really want to encourage people like, hey, maybe maybe it's bull. Maybe this what we're saying is uh, uh, inflated, conflated, and it doesn't really matter. You know, it is what it is. It's a trajectory of Ron. I don't personally think so. I don't think Carl thinks so. And I, I think that he's led a really interesting dialogue. But I think just in this week alone and just in the previous two weeks, we've seen these events happen where, I mean, things like that have happened in the last two weeks, newsworthy events such as that would happen within a five to 10 year span. But within two weeks, we've had these major, major things happen that the, it's just moving so quickly. There's, there's jamming all this stuff down people's throats so that you forget it, it becomes normalized. And then next thing you know, you know, your, your head's in the guillotine, like you were saying. Yeah. Well, a couple things um, to wrap it up. All throughout Scripture, the majority have always been wrong. Yeah. All throughout Scripture. Majority does not rule when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to his system, and when it comes to his plan. There are too many examples to even give. I will only give one, Joshua and Caleb. When you send in 12 spies and only two come back confirming the word of God, you have a number that is pretty close to where I believe we are today with our modern-day church and our modern-day Christian to believe and accept the unfiltered and unadulterated Word of God. I believe it's out of 12, two will be correct. So I just would like to say that the sideway I look, that the... Public disagreement with the telling me that I am wrong, telling me that I am overreacting, lets me know I am right, according to Scripture. Um, The minority has always been right. The minority will always be right. The majority has always been wrong, and the majority will continue to always be wrong. So I am not at all persuaded, and I am not at all impacted in a negative way whatsoever when I am looked at as crazy. That's okay. So was Joshua and Caleb. But the funny thing is, they were the only two from that generation that entered into their promise. So... Let's get that straight, is that just because there are more of you than there are of me does not mean that I am incorrect in analyzing where we are right now, in seeing what is happening right now, and in proclaiming it. Second thing, I do believe that Jesus will always have 
a remnant. Now, a remnant means something that resembles when you were at your most powerful, something that resembles when you were at your most effective. He will ha always have his remnant. He will always be misrepresented by people, but he will always be represented by a few of us. And so I'm comfortable in my assessment. I am comfortable in my mandate from God. And that is this. Be more concerned with the message that you deliver. Be more concerned with hearing the message than you are with the people receiving it. Because as long as I am pursuing my calling, my purpose, my destiny, my meaning, that means I'm a messenger of God and I'm seeking his message. I will deliver his message, and that is where my responsibility or concern ends, to be 100% honest with you. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not cold. That is just fact. Truth does not love, and it does not hate. Truth is not bigotry. It is not racist. Truth does not make one feel good or bad. Truth simply stands on its own as truth. If you allow the truth to enter you, the truth will do great things. If you reject the truth, the truth will cause you to rise up and to accuse other people and to blame other people and to beg other people to give you acceptance. You'll never feel accepted. You'll never feel validated. And you'll never feel really fulfilled and good about yourself as long as you do not pursue truth. So in saying that, I just want to interject just, real quick, because one of the things I forgot to mention, and I'm glad that you brought this up in a weird way, is that as this morning, as I was checking our social media, an advertisement came up and I showed this to you and the look that you had on your face, you were like, it looked like someone smacked you in the face with like a wet fish. And as you know, social media has ads. And once again, you can think we're blowing this out of proportion. That's fine. That's your prerogative. But as I was scrolling through, I saw an ad for the satanic book, the Satanica Biblica, which is uh, the satanic Bible in Latin. And this is the tagline. And you're talking about truth. This is the tagline. Did or did Jesus not himself say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? He did. So this is the tagline. This is the slogan for the Satanica Biblica. It says, the way, the truth, and the abundant life. Yeah. What we need to realize, Carl, and, and as I believe you're pointing to, is that you can be a naysayer, you can doubt, you can whatever. It doesn't mean that truth will not prevail, that truth is not, it's, truth does not need our permission or our feelings to be okay with it being the truth because it simply is. And right now we are in a time of great misrepresentation of alteration of truth. What we need to keep in mind is Christ said that he is the way that means he is the course. He is that road, that, that 
alley that we travel down. He is the truth, which is the salvation of humanity and the life, which leads to life abundant, not just, and it's just funny how we talked earlier, how the devil just wants to molest and to contort and to, um, I can't think of a better word, the molest humanity, the almighty's prize creation, that that life abundantly now and in eternity is that course, that pathway that Christ led out. And in this regard, they're completely bastardizing it and they're completely altering it. So in this, whether you believe it or not, we are on that course. Yes, I'm reminded and taken back to Jeremiah, the prophet. He was known as the weeping Weeping prophet. prophet. And that was a time period where the... Preaching through the prophets had become candy-coated. It was fluff. It had become an itchy ear message. It was more modern-day illustration. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it, feel good, have a lot, abundant life, no persecution. It was a feel-good story. That was the time period that Jeremiah was called to prophesy. And so he was competing in the synagogue or the tabernacle with that message. Thus, delivering that message was so hurtful for him to have to do. It was so painful for him to have to do because, you know, his own family took a hit out on him. His own family, because they wanted... To not hear what he was saying with judgment, and it was so contrary to the message of that day that his family wanted him dead. Do you know that the preaching of that message of judgment and turning towards God literally had him attacked and thrown into a pit of mud up to his neck where he couldn't get out, and he stayed there for days. And so he comes to God, and he says, what is going on? I've done everything that you've told me. I've delivered the message just like you've said, and all that it's gotten me is attacked, and my family wants me to die, and I'm ostracized, and I'm and I'm in danger, and that's what is happening to me by delivering your message. And I think if you go back to the beginning of Jeremiah, he was so built up in who he was and that God shaped you and formed you and he knew you and all these great things. And he went from that to being put into a pile of mud in a sand pit, in a, in a pit of mud that he couldn't get out of. And he wanted to hear another edifying message from God. He wanted to hear an encouraging word reminding him who he was. And you know what God said to him after Jeremiah had his pity party? If you can't run with the footmen, how will you compete with the horsemen? So basically what he's saying is, if you can't endure what you're going through now, how are you going to be able to endure what I have ahead for you in your future? And that's where I feel I am and you are and anyone else that dares to speak the truth about what we're going through is that that little sideways, that little sideways eye look 
and that little, well, yeah, you, and then the insults, and the people don't want to talk anymore. They don't want to listen to the podcast anymore. They don't want to associate anymore. They don't want to hang out anymore. And what God is saying is, you might want to toughen up. Because if you can't take this, just like Jeremiah, if you can't run with the footman and you can't handle this, how are you going to handle what lies ahead of you? And that's where I feel we are. I feel like we are almost in a modern day Jeremiah situation where I could just as easily, I could just as easily compete with the mega church of preachers if I wanted to deliver that message. I could. I do not think that they are that gifted or talented. Maybe that's the arrogant side of me. But if I chose for that message, I could have the house. I could have the car. I could have the lifestyle. I could have all of that. But what good would it do me if I gained the whole world and lose my soul? Because the messages that I'm hearing from God and the warnings that I'm hearing in my own life from God are not fluff. They're not cottonelle. Everything is rosy and everything is going to be okay. Well, I'm sorry, but just like in Jeremiah's time, we're in this time. And if you hear... God's voice speaking to you, and if you're seeing things and looking at them in a different way than the majority, oh, congratulations. Take comfort in that because God wants you to eventually be able to run with the horsemen. And what we're going through right now, it hurts, it sucks, it's tough, it's painful, but it will be worth it. We have not seen anything. No, and it will be worth it. Yeah. It will. In the long run, yeah. Uh, no, that's great. You know, even Jeremiah prophesied about the exile of the Jews to mm-hmm. Babylon and witnessed it. That's where you're talking about him being that's throat, right. um, thrown into the, the mud the pit. Mud, and- yeah, all that. So, yeah. Anyway, um, this was – thank you. This was riveting uh, for even for me and having known what we were going to discuss. I know you're listening if you're still here. Like you have, there's no way that you aren't feeling charged. You're not feeling something, which I'm going to believe is the the Lord's depositing something into you. He's uh, encouraging something or strengthening you or whatever that is. I I would encourage you to lean into that, to pray into that, if you will, and find out what that is. I, I believe that the voices like Carl and I are aspiring to be are, are sordidly needed in this hour. And if you're one of those, then, you know, pray into that and, and lean into that and, and be encouraged that you're not alone. So with that being said, uh, you know, share this because I know there's people I need to hear. I know there's people I need to hear this. And it's not for us, for a name for us. It's a name for Christ. And as Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years, warning about the soon at that point coming flood and the soon coming destruction of the earth. Uh, and Christ even said in Matthew 24 that as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the return of the Son of Man, and we are in those days, and we've discussed that pre, uh, a bunch. So uh, follow us on Project Mockingbird social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Parlor. We're on Getter. We're on Gab under Flawed Inc. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere. Podcast are Flawcast, Flawcast CLE. Uh, we are on Rumble under Flawed Inc. Uh, link below. Get my books, Miss Heart of Man Repair Manual. Check it out. Get a copy. Leave a five-star review. Also, our email address, Flawed Inc. C-L-E at gmail.com is in the description below, as well as the links and the articles that we discussed. Do your research, study, but uh, here we go. (laughs) 